0: Welcome to a Stonewall's Perspective Podcast. We're on a mission to see lives changed by the gospel, one life at a time.
1: Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of a Stonewall's Perspective Podcast. I'm your host, Alexander Stone. In today's episode, I have a special announcement to make, but we'll get to that at the end of the episode. Uh, We have another special guest with us. He was on just a few episodes ago. He is the founder and CEO of The Gatekeepers, and he's the founder and CEO of Freedom First Network, correct?
0: Yep, Freedom First Network.
1: And and he's the author of, well, co-author of two books, Social Injustice and Church and State. Please welcome my friend Jeff Dornick. How are you doing today?
0: Not too bad. Thanks for having me back on.
1: Thank you for coming back on. This is kind of a, a last minute thing. Uh, and and i I did this because I wanted to make this special announcement. And like I said, we'll get to that in the end, But today we're just gonna be talking about what the gatekeepers is, kind of Jeff's vision behind it and and kind of what he's doing there. so the the stage is yours.
0: yeah, well, you know so so uh, essentially the the whole vision and idea of the gatekeepers as as it's kind of evolved to where we are right now is essentially. We're, you know, we've got a combination of like podcasts and shows. I think we've got like 12 shows or so in our, in our lineup. We've probably got about five or six that are posted about every, every week or so. And uh, it's just a great, great group of guys. Uh, But what, what we're focusing on specifically is focusing on things that are going on inside the church, focusing on culture and focusing on politics, but all from a biblical worldview. Um, there's a lot of, you know, great Christian, you know, organizations and podcast networks and all that kind of stuff. They focus on one of those. They might focus on theology. They might focus on the culture or politics, but we kind of want to tackle all three to have a kind of a complete worldview. So we've got that. We've got articles, we've got, uh, books, we we're, we're doing online conferences. We're doing a lot of stuff, but it's just, we're trying to, we're trying to figure out how can we help assist the local churches? We don't want to replace them. We want to assist mm-hmm. them in maybe some ways that a lot of these pastors, they don't have time to look at what's going on in culture or politics or whatever it is. So that's essentially kind of like the, the shortened version of, of really what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And so when I started this podcast, I kind of was thinking I was going to stay theology only. And then as time progressed, I kind of, that, that crumbled apart. And, and I said, I would say true to just theology. Then I changed my mind about that. And, and I think, that the podcast that I'm doing is just going to take a turn, kind of where you guys are going, uh, and and kind of really speak the truth about politics and and what's going on in media and what's going on in the biblical realm of things as well. And I think that is something that Christians should be probably doing. And I'm not saying go in and endorse every politician and 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 whatever. I'm not saying that, but we should be involved in politics. We should be involved in media and and share the gospel. In those realms because it's needed there and that's exactly what what you guys are doing at the gatekeepers
0: yeah well you know and one, one of the other aspects too is that i think i think a lot of times it's really easy probably because because it's kind of a safe zone for a lot of pastors and a lot of churches and a lot of christians is to talk about theology but we keep it within the four walls of our church right and so we get into right. these theological discussions we debate about the, de- the definition of this word or how does this translate from the greek and, all, and again all that's important but, at a certain point, we're gonna to have to get out into the world. and in the the Great Commission is specifically talking about we're supposed as we're going out, as we're going about our lives, we're supposed to be sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel, winning the loss, things along those mm-hmm. lines. right? How do you do that if you never leave the four walls of your church? And that in the, and again, just like you in the beginning, for me, I was having I had my show conversations with Jeff where I'm literally just interviewing a bunch of pastors, right? right. We're talking theology, we're talking all this kind of stuff. And at a certain point, I'm like, but what are we actually doing? Like, th- th- it's one thing to get our theology right. But what are we actually doing? Are, are we preaching the gospel to the lost? Are we shining light into darkness? Last I checked, the political world is a pretty dark place. Hollywood, yeah. a pretty dark place. Education right now, a pretty dark place that we need to take our light and go there. I think yeah. right now, we're, we're shining our light into lit up rooms that we yeah. call churches. And it's like, isn't there a Bible verse talking about hiding our light under a bushel? Yeah, that's what know. we're kind of doing in, in the church today.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree, and you said that in the previous episode. Like, we are taking our light and shining it into more light, and that's not going to do anything. And and I, you don't, I don't think you agree with the seven mountain mandate that we're going to be able to take over all of these all of these different seven mountains or whatever. But we do need to go and take the gospel to those places. Things like uh, media. Things like politics things like education all of these things they are places where the gospel needs to be and that is something that we should strive to do to share the gospel into all all of these aspects of the world because without it people won't people won't get saved
0: oh it's, it's very true and i'm glad you brought up the seven, the seven mountain mandate because i hadn't thought about that in a while we i used to discuss that quite quite a bit but but i but i think that you know, and again, we see this in politics, we see this in theology, we see this in, in all different areas, but to where to a certain degree, if if there are some the what I refer to as the bad guys, if the bad guys take take a, a bad point of view, oftentimes what they're doing is they're blending good theology with bad theology, and then it becomes a mesh, it becomes a blending together. I think that's what the Seven Mountain mandate is specifically, because what they're doing is, is they're taking our mission, which should be to take the gospel into the world and preach it and shine, again, shine light into darkness. But what they're doing is they're kind of blending that with like a weird eschatology where it's like, we have to conquer all of these things in order for Christ's kingdom to come back and all this kind of, and I'm just like, that, that's stupid. That's idiotic as if yeah. we can control the return of Christ. But I think what's happened though, is that you have the conservative Christians that they, you know, strong biblical theology, all that kind of stuff. They see that and they're like, well, we can't have any part of that. So that means we can't be a part of culture. We can't be a part of politics. And so it's Mm -hmm. kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater instead of saying, let's reject this weird, funky eschatology, but let's take the good parts, which is we're going to go to where the lost are. And I think that's been sorely lacking lately.
1: Right. I'm looking at your website on my other monitor, and it literally says (laughs) in like the third paragraph on your about section, now is the time to boldly declare truth in all arenas of life politics is downstream of culture, which is downstream of church. Uh, If we're going to save America, we'll have to tackle all three aspects, all with the understanding that it starts with the gospel and everything else flows from there. Everything flows from the gospel. We need to have a biblical worldview in all that we do. All all politicians who are Christians should be talking about Christianity. All all people who are in politics should do that. Um, share, share the gospel in all aspects of your life. If you're a teacher, without getting fired, do your best to share the gospel. Tell people about Jesus in, in, in everything that you do.
0: Or even, even if you do get fired, I mean, I mean like that, like that, that's yeah. the reality of where we are right now is, is, mm-hmm. is it's, it's getting pretty crazy, but it was funny. I was, I was, um, I was having a conversation with uh, my buddy, uh, Pastor Ken Peters. He's got a show on our network called uh, Patriot Squad. He's the founder of a church called Patriot Church and um, they're out in Tennessee. They're doing great, great stuff. But one of the things that he uh, he gets accused of a lot by a lot of Christians is Ken, you're preaching too much on politics. And, and he's like, he's like, Here's the here's the reality. I'm not preaching on politics. I'm preaching on morals. I'm preaching on biblical principles. It just happens to be that politics is where that's playing out on on the grand scale that we that we're exposing. But that cuz essentially that's where the battles being waged right now. But he's like I'm not just I'm not just starting a church to talk about politics. I'm talking about biblical morality, biblical theology. It's just we've got to we've got to confront this because the battle's being waged on the political front. Again, we take our light we shine it into that front wherever the battles be wherever the, wherever the battles raging. We can't flee from where the fights is being fought.
1: No, oh, no, we can't. And and that I think uh, we need to, like we just said, go shine the light in the darkness by boldly declaring the truth. And and I think that. Sometimes people understand misunderstand what the truth is. It says on your website, once again, it starts with proper understanding of what God's word teaches. And people have a lacking of what God's word teaches because they don't get into the Bible. People are saying that he talks about politics too much. It's because they don't know what the Bible says about these political hot topics, hot, hot button issues. And I think it's time for us to stand up as a church and and really tell people the truth of the gospel i think we've fallen far short of that fall short we've fallen far short of sound theology and we've put in a whole bunch of woke crap we put in a whole bunch of theology that that jesus doesn't like and we need to start to return to biblical theology and a great understanding of what god's word actually teaches
0: yeah. And also, when you think about it, Jesus, Jesus talked politics like, <laughs> you know, obviously, obviously in his time, he, you know, they didn't have a a constitutional republic uh, of, gov- of government at that time. But at the same time, he talked politics with within the political system at, th- at that time, which was a blending together of the Jewish faith with with local politics. You know, I mean, he, you know, he didn't just call out the, the theologians and, and that's he called out the scribes. The scribes were s- some of the people that were they, they were they were interpreting the law. What is the law that that is that is legal? That is politics. Like he confronted the 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 leaders of his day, both on a theological standpoint, because they were they were clearly getting the gospel wrong. And then also from a political standpoint, when it came to their everyday life, the rules that they did, you know, the thing is that I think a lot of people forget the rules that they implemented in Israel during the time of Jesus were punishable like, but, but they actually had punishments. It wasn't just like, Oh, we're going to do church discipline on you. It was mm-hmm. like, no, we're going to take you out back and stone you like that. Like that's legal. That's political. He spoke truth to power. As the left always says, it's like, no, we need to be doing that as well, but we actually have to be proclaiming the truth. That's what Jesus did. And in, you know, he, he very rarely showed a lot of emotion, but when he did, he really let it loose, and I think that we as Christians, when we are confronting uh, both Christian leaders and non-Christian leaders that are twisting the gospel, twisting truth, taking away uh, the truths found in God's Word, it's okay to get a little emotional. Jesus did. Last I checked, he got he he brandished a weapon in the temple and started whipping animals and people in there, turning over tables and causing a mob ruckus. Like, I'm sorry. I don't see any pastors taking that stand today. Let's let's get a little fired up. It, you know, as, as Ken Peter, we, we're, we're posting a podcast today by Ken Peters uh, on Patriot Squad, and it, it's in the the title of it is, where's all the feisty preachers at? Really, where are they at? Because I don't see them anywhere.
1: Mount Juliet, Tennessee.
0: Yeah, there you go.
1: There you go. And, yeah, we do need fiery preachers. We need people to, to stand up for their truth and what the truth says, because if we don't share the truth, then people will not know the truth. The Bible says that the truth will set you free. And if we're living in a post-truth society where the truth isn't being preached, then how will people obtain their salvation if they don't know the truth? Yeah, well, and and also too,
0: and I want to be clear about this, is that when we're talking about speaking truth, I think, again, a lot of Christians, we, we have a very limited view of this, right? And so one of the things that we think is like, We only declare and boldly proclaim the truth when it comes to the gospel or when it comes to explaining theology. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, we should care about truth in general. Last I checked, God created the entire universe. He created everything, everything, whether we're talking science, history, geology, politics, philosophy whatever it is everything if it's true will point back to the creator will will point back to god will point back to the gospel and and we can do that we we can look at science we can look at whatever it is and so when we're looking at even political issues again a lot of christians shy away from them but at a certain point we do have the truth on our side because we've got guidance from god's word we can take a look at science we can take a look at history we we can take a look at proper philosophy when compared with scripture And we can speak to truth on issues like taxes, on issues like COVID-19 vaccines, on issues like election fraud, on all these things. We should be able to speak truth into those areas as well, not just when we see uh, Joe Biden talking about how everybody, everybody loves God. They're just a part of a different religion. It's like, no, that's important to confront, but we can't just limit ourselves to just these theological truth war kind of a thing.
1: Right. Exposing truth and confronting error. Once again, that's on your website. And I think that it's time, it's way past time for us to start to stand firm in our faith. Again, I feel like that is very lacking in the church today. It's lacking in pastors. People don't have a backbone to go and share the truth to, to expose the truth and confront error uh, in their walks with the Lord and, and, and other people's lives that they don't do that anymore. And even, even though Jesus clearly said to go call out false teachers go, call out um you know whatever that is something that isn't going on in the church today yes there's there's a few here and there like us and and some other people but in general we have not really cared about the truth at all and that's a scary thing to think about
0: no, it, it 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 really is, and and I think you know we're we're seeing this kind of playing out before our eyes this weekend. There's the Southern Baptist Convention that's going on, like as we speak right now. And right, um, and I did a show on I think it was either Friday or Saturday with with Bobby Lopez, and he put, he gave his endorsement. Um, I believe his name is Randy Adams, is who he was endorsing for SBC president. And it was really interesting talking to him because again, I'm not an SBC guy myself, but I've been following because again, it's it's one of the largest, uh, it's the largest denomination in the country. And the interesting thing is that, you know, Bobby asked me, he's like, so what, what's your biggest concern? What's the biggest thing that you're focused on when it comes to, okay, who's going to be the next SBC president? And I said, well, for me, I'm looking at, you know, woke theology and, and and things like that, because that's really been infiltrating in under the, under guys like Al Mohler and, and JD Greer and people like that. And he's like, he's like, yes, that that's important. But he said equally as important, which a lot of people are not actually focusing on is the corruption among the leadership. And this is where that I think that we oftentimes we shy away from it because it's not a theological discussion, but it ultimately, it ultimately comes back to, and it, it, we can always bring it back to the gospel and things like that. But like when we're seeing the use from church leaders of non-disclosure agreements where they, they're forcing seminary professors and pastors that they let go, they have to sign a non-disclosure agreement saying that they're not going to spread all the dirt that they have on these leaders If they want any kind of severance, otherwise they're not going to get any pay and in certain things like that. And there was only one candidate for SBC president, Randy Adams, who uh, who was actually going to take a stand against the use of non-disclosure agreements and corruption and things along those lines. When you think about that, we're talking about the Christian church and corruption. Those two things should never be like in the same sentence unless it's the church is taking a stand against it. But the fact that it's a part of it. This is one of those things we need to be shining light on onto because again, it's darkness, it's sin. And, mm-hmm. and, and ultimately it's not just about a theological discussion about what, what is the gospel and what's the, what's the definition of sin. It's we confront sin where it is. We confront corruption where it is. That's a part of shining light.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to go to the world instead of waiting for the world to come up to us. And and the world has very clearly infiltrated into the southern baptist convention pastor jd Greear, and i don't know how in the world he got that um but he the current president and about to be former president of the spc he's openly for freaking um uh, the the critical race theory what in the world and, and we talked about this in our previous episode uh, of talking about progressive christianity it has infiltrated into the Southern Baptist Convention and into some people who formerly used to be sound conservatives, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's a mess. Well, you know, when
0: you think about it, too, like I remember thinking this when I was talking to Bobby about about who he was going to endorse for SBC president. And and the first person he was talking, he was going through the resume of Al Mohler. And Mm -hmm. I like I used to go to the Shepherds Conference at John MacArthur's church. Um, You know, I I was there either two or three times. One of my favorite speakers was always Al Mohler. I used to love hearing him speak. He's like an intellectual he's like crazy smart. Like one of the, probably one of the smartest guys in evangelicalism by far. Like he probably right. knows more than I would, than than I could ever even imagine uh, of knowing. But, but, but the reality of it is, is, that over the years, I think, I think we've, we've seen it play out. He's been, he's been changing his stance. He's, he's been allowing a lot of the corruption. He's been allowing a lot of the woke theology and ideology. in. he's been endorsing people like Beth Moore and Russell Moore and JD Greer and a lot, a lot of the people that he trained and, and raised up are a lot of the problems that we've got within the SBC. I never thought like when I was in my 20s and I'm going to Shepherds Conference and hearing from Al Mohler and loving the guy that all of a sudden now I'd be totally opposing him and thinking that he needs to get out of ministry altogether. It's a very strange place. And then I just keep coming back to were these guys always bad or did they change or what? And I don't know if we're ever really going to know until we, until we get to heaven, but it's just, it's it's a scary thought that, and, and a good reminder that we can't put our faith in individuals because, uh, as I always say, man will always let us down. Even if it's the most righteous, perfect person, whatever it is, cl- as close to perfect as you can possibly get, they'll let us down. We just have to remember God never will, so stop putting our trust in man, put it in God.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think that um, says a lot about who we do endorse. Are they endorsing the things of god or are they endorsing the things of man i think that's something important that everyone should look at whether it comes from the sbc or or whatever other organization or individual that you're looking at are they valuing the things that god values are they valid, are they loving the things that god loves and if they're not then you should probably mark them call them out and avoid them uh, because if they're not sound biblically or theologically then they're not going to be sound in anything else to be honest.
0: No, it's very true, but and and I think also like when we're talking about like endorsements and and, and things along those lines, I think that we we have to kind of weigh those a, a little carefully and I, and I think that uh, we see this with um you know we, we saw this with Donald Trump, right? And to where it, like an endorsement of him to people that didn't like him was seen as you're proving of every single thing that he's ever said and done. And right. and I and for me I'm looking at it like I just think he's I think he's better than Hillary Clinton. Like yeah. there, there there's a different standard there, right? And and I think when it, I think even when it comes to pastors, I think that we have to be careful of having this extreme purity test of 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 pastors because there's always going to be theological differences, right? And and I grew up in a very calvinistic uh you know area uh, you know church family and all that kind of stuff where it was seen like if you're not calvinist you're probably not a christian if you don't believe in our eschatology probably not a christian if you believe in charismatic theology of any kind probably not a christian we don't associate with those kinds of people and then um through a chain of events i kind of got cast out of the whole calvinistic world and then i started start making friends with some free gracers and some some uh, charismatics and and people like that and i'm like they're actually out there preaching the gospel more than the people that I grew up with. You know what I mean? And right. and, and, and I'm like, we can disagree on the charismatic theology. Like Dr. Mike Spalding and Pastor Kim Peters, they're two charismatics. They're two. They're two people that I trust probably more than any other pastor out there. Although I strongly disagree with them on several mm-hmm. theological points. But but the, but the reality of it is, is that. I totally endorse them and their ministry. That doesn't mean that I endorse their teaching on, let's say, charismatic theology or tongues or, or whatever it is. It means that I endorse them as people. They love God. They follow after Christ. They're pointing people back to God's word. They're preaching the gospel faithfully. And it's the right gospel, unlike a lot of gospels that are out there being preached. And I think that we have, we have to be able to kind of like prioritize what does it mean for an actual endorsement? Is it a blanket endorsement of everything or are we endorsing them because of specific situations and specific issues? Like if I'm if I'm gonna have a if I'm gonna have a conference uh where we're where we're gonna talk about um the uh the spiritual gifts, I'm probably not going to invite Ken Peters and Mike Spaulding as much as I love them, but I disagree with them on the sign gifts. I'm not gonna invite them in. So I'm gonna separate from them on there. But if it comes to uh abortion, if it comes to the gospel, if it comes to biblical leadership. I would bring them in in a heartbeat. I think we have to start thinking that way about the issues more than about the, the individual people.
1: I, I definitely agree. And, you know, I, I know you have your stuff with John MacArthur and Phil, Phil Johnson and, and everything. Um, but you even have like their books on your website. Like, there's like one, two, there's at least five of John MacArthur's books on your website. And it's because he has good, solid theological teaching. And I don't want to get into why you don't like him or, or, or whatever. Um, Cause that's a, another episode for another time. Go, go look at their website, gatekeepersonline.com, and you'll find out there. Um, but it's time for us to return to the truth. It's time to, uh, for us to uh, share the gospel time for us to share the truth about everything going on. Like I said earlier, exposing truth and confronting error and, and pastors aren't doing that. And, and, you know, I like how you said, when it's talking about endorsements, um, you, you mentioned to this this to me at the Faith and Freedoms Conference in Dallas, Texas, you're not gonna blanket endorse everyone, like anyone, because you probably don't agree with everyone on every single thing, and that's okay. Um, there are things that I probably disagree with you about, but we're friends, we, we, mm-hmm. we get along, we're um, hanging out together, doing podcasts together and whatnot I think that there, there is a fine line between heretic and someone that you disagree with and, and many people in the church today will see something that they disagree with and yo you heretic you you false teacher or whatever I think that's very inflammatory and there comes a time when when you should probably do it like I could name five heretics right now who are like really out there, and I would have no problem with doing that. Other other people, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But, but it's time for us to come together on main points and share the gospel on things that we do agree with instead of picking apart what we don't agree with.
0: Well, and, and, and I think... All right. so so there there's, you know, I, I would agree with you, but but' I'll, I'll throw in this kind of caveat a little bit, right? Yeah. So so w- one of the things that you'll learn about about the gatekeepers and a lot of the guys that that are that are a part of the group is is that there there is no consensus on a lot of individual theological perspectives. And, and a lot of it is because we so we'll agree about the gospel, We'll agree mm-hmm. about specific particular things. But then when it comes to um, other areas, we welcome the dis- the disagreement. Like I- I'm a five point Calvinist myself, right? right. Um, I posted an article by my good friend, Pastor Sam Jones, about uh, why-, why he believes that Calvinism is flat out heresy. Right. I want him to make that argument because then I want to be able to respond and refute with what I believe. And then, and then at-, at a certain point, we could possibly maybe have a discussion about it. People that are watching could listen to it and they're like, oh, he makes a good point he makes a good point. Let me go back to scripture, check it out with what the Bible says. And let me figure out what, what I believe is true. I would rather do it that way than like censor everybody and have this purity test of we don't talk to those people. So we're never going to expose any anybody to that teaching. Maybe I just have more faith in, in people than than most Christians do. But I I, I figure a lot of people, if they would actually take the time to do the research and actually take the time to look at God's word. I think they're smarter than a lot of people give them credit for. They're not just a bunch of dumb, blind sheep, right? I think they can handle a difference of opinion over, over free grace versus, versus uh, Calvinism. I think, I think we could have a pretty good discussion on that and uh, people can make up their mind because we still believe in the gospel. We still believe that the only way to Christ is, is through faith and repentance. We, we still believe all of those things that you have to believe in order to be a Christian. But as long as we're willing to have the open and honest discussion and our root source is always scripture and we're going to be intellectually honest. I'm okay with having a lot of these disagreements. It's, it's, it's really strange for me coming out of five point Calvinist cessationist, uh, you know, uh, pre-trib a background, whatever it is. And all of a sudden now I'm hanging out with a bunch of free gracers and charismatics. It's, it's, it's a very strange place that I find myself in.
1: Right. Well, definitely. I, I definitely agree. I'm kind of like in the middle right now. Like where, where do I fit in? Cause, um, I don't know if I'm a five-point Calvinist or not, to be honest with you, um, but I'm a cessationist, but I'm also friends with, like, Pastor Brian Gibson, who who I don't think is. I'm, I'm friends with uh, Pastor, pastor uh, Mark Burns, pa- President Trump's pastor, who is not a cessationist, um, and I'm just kind of in the middle of, how do I deal with this theologically and, and, and look at this and really approach things that I disagree with. And I, and I'm kind of leaning towards how you're going uh, now. Like a couple months ago, I had uh, uh, Justin Peters on um, and I lost my, my, my camera. Hold on. There we go. There we go. I had Justin Peters on and and we saw, and we talked about false teachers and we called out the seven mountain mandate and we called out false teachers. And I think that's fine. Um, But like I said, there's a dividing line of false teacher and not false teacher.
0: Yeah, well, you know, and, and also too, one of, it's it's funny. One of the things that um I get I I get I get a lot of uh pushback on from from a lot of Christians is that like I will I will partner with and promote guys like uh, like a pastor Greg Locke or um or like an Aubrey Huff. Right? I, I, are you familiar with Aubrey Huff? No, I'm not. Okay, so Aubrey Huff he's a he's a former, former baseball player. He played for the San Francisco Giants. Won two World Series. Um, and now he's now he's like a you know strong conservative voice you know really strong on Twitter all that kind of stuff, so so he's somebody that he says some great things. I mean that, I mean you you talk about a firebrand. You think Greg Locke is like a firebrand? Like Aubrey Huff is like to the whole other level. Now here here's the problem with an Aubrey Huff: he'll cuss, he'll swear, he'll be he'll be, he'll be he'll 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 be nasty to people. Whatever it is, but I totally agree with him on almost everything he says, I just wish that he'd say it a little bit differently. Right. But mm-hmm. I remember having, I remember having him on my show and the majority of people don't know him as a Christian, right. They, they just mm-hmm. see him as being this crude former baseball player who loves Trump and all this kind of stuff. And like, we're talking like eschatology. We're talking the gospel. We're talking like all this stuff about like the Bible and stuff. And, and I remember having, I remember having a conversation with a couple of different pastors. And I'm like, to be honest, I would rather have, a hundred Aubrey Huffs than like a million of these spineless pastors that we have in the church today. Like, like, like literally I would rather have a hundred imperfect people that cuss and swear. And again, that's not me, just people aware. It's not me endorsing cussing and swearing. I don't do it myself. I'm not saying that this is what we should do, but I'm saying I would rather take a bunch of imperfect beings, which we all are, that are being honest and taking a stand and actually going to battle. I would rather link arms with that guy than a theologically pure weakling of a pastor who will not speak truth to anybody because they are afraid of losing a donation in the offering basket. Right. I, I, it just comes down to priority of issue. Again, I'll partner with the guy I'll put like Arby Huff. I would go to battle with him on a political issue any day, some, some Christian issues, I'm probably not going to bring him in on writing a book about, you know, purity of thought or purity of of language on a book. Again, we come down to priority of of what issue are we uniting on and which 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 issue are we dividing on? And I feel like I'm kind of an outlier on that issue. But at the same time, I feel like otherwise we just get into these tribalistic. I'm on your team. I'm on your team. We're going to fight against each other just because we're associated with somebody. I'm sick of that game. I just want to, I want to deal with the issues. Can we just deal with the issues, please?
1: Right. I definitely agree. And and, you know, that's one of the things that I dislike about many people who are like Calvinist or whatever, like they'll identify with Calvin, John Calvin all day long. And they'll be like, I'm a Calvinist, five point Calvinist and everything. And then I'm just like looking at you, I'm looking at uh, Arminianists or however you pronounce it. I'm just like, why don't you just identify with Jesus? Like be a Christian instead of instead of Arminianist first or, or, or Calvinist first and word of faith first or whatever, word of faith is wrong. Um, whatever, you know, we need to identify with Jesus, the theology of the Bible instead of all of these pick and choose kind of things that, that don't pertain to salvation.
0: It's, 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 it's this, idolization of of people and this is one of the things that i that i've railed against like over and over and over again and, I, and, and it goes for anybody and i and i always preface this with saying like it, I i don't think anybody idolizes me by any means but i'm just like don't listen to what i say like take what i say take it back to scripture what i say is not pure truth i'm sure i'm wrong on a lot of issues i'm probably wrong on the whole aubrey huff thing fine take it back to scripture compare it with scripture fig- figure it out for yourself right that, that, that's kind of the approach that I take it. But you know, it is interesting too, where I think people begin to find their identity in associating either with a p- particular tribe or associating themselves with a, with a particular pastor or associating themselves even with Calvin. Like I w- I always hate identifying myself as like a five-point Calvinist. The only reason why I do is because it, it's the shortest way to explain my my theological positions on on those issues. Right. But like but like even Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote an entire section of the Bible talking about stop idolizing us, like mm-hmm. stop identifying with me, stop, af- stop identifying with Apollo, stop identifying right. with Cephas, stop, ad- stop identifying with all these guys. Just get back to biblical teaching. He's like, who am I? What am I? I- I'm-, I'm a nobody. I'm a, I'm just yeah. somebody who I'm fulfilling my role. And we're talking about the apostle Paul who wrote the majority of the new Testament is saying, I'm a nobody like, who am I? This is all about God. And I think that a lot of these celebrity pastors that have these multi-million dollar ministries and, and reaches across the globe, they would do well to begin to get that mindset a little bit. Yeah, it's not about them and, and not even just them. They're they're following. It's not about your favorite pastor. It's not. And, it, it, and I don't even I'm not even I'm not even going to name names because it could be anybody big, small celebrity, famous, not whatever it is. It's not about your favorite pastor. It's about God. And if your church or your own mindset is making more of your favorite pastor than it is of God, you need to check yourself because you have the wrong mentality. You are putting that person over God himself. And you may not think it. You're like, oh no, I, I put God first. But practically speaking, do you spend more time reading the books of your, of your favorite pastor or God's word itself? When you're, when you're leading a Bible study, are you quoting your favorite pastor more to explain a passage or God's word? And and I and I always and I always say this: like, use people's books. John MacArthur use his books. John Piper use his books. Uh, my buddy Mike Spalding use his commentaries. They're great, but don't just rely on them and and trust them blindly. Use them for your own study, and then figure out what you believe God's word says. And and I always and I always take this position. I 100% every single thing that I believe, and I firmly believe that I'm right in everything until you can prove me wrong. And I'm always open to the fact that there's a chance that I might be wrong on something or possibly even everything, but I have to be intellectually honest. I 100% believe that I'm right until you can prove me wrong. So if if you want to change my mind, you better do a dang good job of convincing me and have a superior argument. Because I'm not going to change my mind easily. I'm not going to go to and fro with the wind and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But we have to be open to the fact we might be wrong. Our favorite pastor might be wrong. Everything that we've believed our entire life might be wrong. We have to go back to God's word and figure out what's actually right.
1: Right. First on chapter 4 verse 1 beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from god because many false prophets have gone out into the world so don't just blindly believe your favorite pastor because they're their favorite pastor test what they're saying against the word of god see if it's true and if it's true then great if it's not true then 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 stay away from that kind of teaching um and i think that's something that many christians are lacking in their walk that they they don't test the spirits they don't they, they will blindly believe whoever because they said something that's motivational or whatever. Motivation is crap. We need the Bible, not, not any kind of motivation.
0: No, it's, it's very true. And I, and, I think, and I think we've kind of set up this church industry to a certain degree uh, where we've created a very lazy church congregation where, you know, number one, it's very, obviously, obviously seeker-sensitive movement has kind of infiltrated every aspect. Uh, of church to where now church on Sundays is more about the, the seeker and the person who's visiting more than it is actually the church members. Um, it, but but the interesting thing is it's a very consumer driven uh, aspect where, you know, I show up to church, I sit down in my pew, I listen to the pastor. I'm not listening to the pastor in order for my benefit or to learn God's word, word more. I'm learning so that way I can critique him and I can say, you should have said this differently or you should, you should have said that differently. I liked, I didn't like what he said there and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But then also on the other side of it is that we're then again, we're also very lazy. We don't like having to do our own study. We would rather rely on somebody else because, hey, we've got a TV show to watch. We've got, I've, I've got another book to read. I've got work to do. Right. I'm busy, all that kind of stuff. So I'm just going to trust this pastor who spends hours and hours and hours studying commentaries and God's word. And he reads the Greek and all this kind of stuff. I'm going to trust him to tell me what I should believe because I put my trust in him because he spends more time than I could ever spend studying God's word. I'm like, no, that's not, that's not how this works. We use them and their teaching as springboards for our own study. If you don't have enough time to study, you're going to have to carve out some time, maybe take an hour less of sleep, but you got to take some responsibility. And as conservatives, that's our big thing. Individual responsibility as Christians. It's the same thing. We've got to take responsibility for ourselves not just on a physical level, but on a spiritual level as well.
1: Right. I, I think it's funny how you mentioned the consumer church and everything. I actually did a podcast with Dr. Ronnie Floyd from the SPC about consumer driven church versus a missional church. And, and basically a consumer church is a church is seen as a dispenser of religious goods and services. People come to church to be fed, to have their needs met through quality programs and to have their professionals teach them about the word of God. That's basically a mindset of, I go to church. Instead, we should have this missional mindset uh, in the church, which is a body of people who are sent on mission, who gather in community for worship and community and get encouragement and teaching from the word of God. And in addition to what they're learning on a Sunday or Wednesday from their favorite pastor, they are also seeking the word of God and and self-feeding them the, the, the word throughout the week, that's a, and I am the church mindset. And I think the church needs to return to that as well. No,
0: it's, it, it, it's, it's for sure. Like, like the church, the church is not supposed to be a corporation. The church is not supposed no. to be uh, an entrepreneurial endeavor. Uh, it's not supposed to be about church growth. Like, you know, I, I would actually argue that um, I, I think over a certain number of people in, in the church congregation, I think you're getting too big in, in my opinion. I think the churches should start splitting after they get 200 members. Like, like I, I again, I'm not going to say that on a theological level, because the Bible doesn't put a cap off on, on the number of people, but I just think on a practical level, I'm just looking at realistically how many people can one, can a single, can a single pastor who's like a teaching pastor or the elders, how many people can they walk through life with? I would think 150 to 200 people. is probably kind of, kind of going to be your max. Anything above that, I would, I would make the argument it becomes more difficult to walk through life for the entire congregation with that pastor. So, I, so I, I wish that churches would go up 150 people, 200 people. They get more than that. They split into two. You know, plant mm-hmm. another church, plant another local church. That way, you've got a bunch of local people. Again, there's some mega churches that do a great job with local communities and things like that. And then they come together on Sunday. There's some great stuff. I'm, I'm not knocking anybody who's got a larger church than 150 or 200 people. Yeah, but I just think on a practical level. I think that we have this, again, consumer mindset, both in the congregation, but then also from the pastors where we're losing the whole point. The whole point of church is not to have a multi-million dollar income of, of, for churches and then have a teaching ministry and then to have a seminary and you're pulling and the pastors are pulling seminary, pulling salaries from all these different organizations. And then they're making book royalties and then they're doing this is not ministry is not supposed to be a seven figure income. I'm not yes. like I'm not going to bash anybody who's got money, who's a pastor, but but like, come on, let's be real. Use those funds for something that's actually legitimate. Use those funds for furthering the gospel. I, I rag on John Piper a lot because I, I think his theology is really bad and he's woke and all this kind of stuff. But the one thing, one of the things that I always commend him on is so he 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 takes a maximum of a hundred thousand dollar a year salary. So all, all of his speaking gigs, all of his book royalties, every single kind of income that he gets go, goes into his nonprofit organization desiring God. And then and then no matter what he does, no matter how many books he sells, no matter how many speaking gigs he gets, he takes the same salary last year that he does this year. I I think that's very commendable of the guy. I, you know, I totally disagree with him on his view of the second amendment. Cool. At the same time. I think that's probably one of the most, most moral and ethical things I've seen from any mega church pastor when it comes to finances. And I think that's an important distinction.
1: I definitely agree. I think that um, a lot of people are so many, so many people are focused on how much the church pastor is making and whatever, and they forget about how they are theologically. Um, and I think they do that to a fault, you know, uh, like I, like you just said, John Piper, I, I disagree with him on. Quite a bit. Um, I, I used to like him. Then I realized, oh, he's kind of weird. Um, but that is weird, the...
0: we, weird is an understatement. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think we need to return to sound theology, sound teaching, uh, Bible reading in our everyday lives so we can know the truth. And then we can share the truth in all corners of life and, and take an all encompassing approach with everything by sharing the gospel with.
0: Them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's where like, even like I'm, I'm liking what uh, like even like met what Matt couch is doing with these series of conferences that he's doing with the Faith oh, yeah. and freedoms conference oh, yeah. is, is because he he's bringing, he's bringing people together and there's going to be some, there's going to be some Christians. There's going to be some non-Christians, but, but it's mm-hmm. this idea that it's, it's the message that unifies us. Right. And so as believers that are there, the message that unifies us is the gospel. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, whether we're talking Mark Burns, whether we're talking Greg Locke, Brian Gibson, yourself, myself, any Matt Couch, any of the other Christians, I think we, we have a common purpose there of the gospel. I, dis- mm-hmm. I disagree with, with probably with Mark Burns on, on certain theological things. Same thing with Gibson, same thing, same thing with Locke, same thing with you, probably with all of us, right? Yeah. We all disagree, but we have a common purpose. And and, and I think that if we can, if we can figure out how to unify around the common purposes. And I think as Christians, it's the gospel. And then also as Christians, it's, it's particular broad issues that I think that we can unify on, whether it's pro-life, whether whether it's uh, conservative values, whether, whether it's taking a stand against social justice and wokeness and critical race. Theory. I think there's some certain big issue things that we can all unify on, whether we disagree on certain theologies or, or whatever it is. And then, and then we can divide over those particular theologies. But that doesn't mean it's a blanket division. It doesn't mean it's a blanket partnership. It means that we're going to take it on an issue by issue basis. And that's how I, you know, I'm I'm able to, you know, I've interviewed everybody from like Tim Hurd from Bible Thumping Wingnut, who's one of the biggest John mm-hmm. MacArthur fans ever, to you know, I I've I've had Dr. Michael Brown write a chapter in my book about so about social justice and the leftist infiltration, because. You know, I'm picking and choosing which issues I'm going to partner with, which issues I'm going to d- divide with. And I think we would do well to do that when it comes to our view of pastors, when it comes to our view of who we're listening to on podcasts, when it comes to who we're trusting and who we're not. I would say we pick and choose, compare everything with scripture, and we figure out where can we partner with people, where can we divide from people?
1: Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, so with all of that being said, I think it's time to, to give this special announcement um, that if you're, if you're listening to this still, thank you for staying along to hear this announcement, but I am proud to announce that I am now a part of the gatekeepers uh, podcast network. Uh, Jeff, you, you really helped me get into that. And and I'm excited to be able to part, partner with you and, and the guys from gatekeepers and, and see where the Lord takes this. And so yeah. what I'm going to, what I'm going to ask from the listeners my goal for this year is to hit 25,000 listens by the end of 2021 and to get to 15,000 subscribers on YouTube by the end of 2021 as well. And I think that that, that can completely, totally happen, but I can't do it alone. And so that's why I joined Gatekeepers, not to not only to grow my brand, but to, to share the gospel in, in every form of area. And the Gatekeepers is helping me do that. And you can help me too by by sharing this podcast, subscribing, giving it a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I ask that you do that so we can reach more people with the gospel of Christ and to share people with people the gospel and the truth about politics, the truth about culture, society, whatever. And I think that many Christians need to do that as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, and you know, I, I love I love that we're that we're bringing you on uh, with, with the gatekeepers as well. I, th- I think I think you'll fit in really great with, with all of the guys. It's it's really interesting too. It just with all the guys that, that we've assembled with with the gatekeepers is that, you know, it, you know, we all come from different parts of the country. I've only met two of them in person. I think it is. So I've met Dustin Faulkner at the Faith and Freedom's conference, and then uh, Pastor Sam Jones. I met him at at another conference I was at. Oh, and then I met Bob, Bobby Lopez once in person as well. Uh, but the, the, the funny thing is we all come from different places. We barely know each other on like on an actual in-person basis, but we're all very like-minded when it comes to our mentality and mm-hmm. our love and support for each other. And we're, again, we're on a common purpose. And so it's all about, uh, you know, cross-promoting. We work together. Uh, we've got each other's back. If there, if, if somebody comes after you on Twitter, just let me know. And I can, I can send all the guys to get your back. You know, th- th- it's just kind of the way that, that we work to where, again, we're on a common purpose. We're on a common mission. And, and the primary focus is the gospel and shining light into darkness with the truth, because that that is the most important thing. So I uh, you know officially would like to welcome you to, to, to the family.
1: I, I'm glad to be part of this family and I'm glad to be able to get to know you and, and start to get to know the other people on Gatekeeper's and is this i think this episode is sponsored by gatekeepers as well so I, I mean that's a thing as well so um i just i love doing this i love being part of this community um and hopefully in the end i will have a piece written about me by jv hall the leader or whatever of what is it now? It's not pulpit and pin. Yeah, It's
0: not pulpit and pin anymore. It's over, it's over at Protestia. Yeah. It, it's funny. I was, I was telling, I was telling Alex in, in when we were uh, messaging each other, I'm like, you know, it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a competition and JD, if you're listening, just, you know, he- help help us out a little bit. We, we could, we could, we could use some, some hit pieces. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, we kind of have, have a competition among all of our guys to where, who who can get who can get the most hit pieces on Protestia? Right now, I'm in the lead. I think there's three, and if you guys go look at them, and I'm telling you, read them for entertainment purposes only, because it's flat out lies and partial information and slanders and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, the only other gatekeeper that has been bashed on uh, on pulpit and pen or Protestia is Pastor Sam Jones, and it was for being a part of a conference that we hosted because Greg Glock was also one of the speakers. So yeah. Um, so yeah, so honestly, Alex, if, if I could probably shoot a message over to JD because now that you've actually, you're a part of the gatekeepers and uh, he, he could probably do a hit piece on you for actually partnering with me and sharing the stage with Greg Glock.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> if, if I get famous from a hit piece, then, then you all know who it's from, JD Hall. There's things I did. <laughs> that I agree with it with JD, but there's also things that I disagree with him on as well. Um, and like you said, like I said earlier, there's a dividing line. Um, and I think that the, the, the line divides there with, with, uh, with JD. Well,
0: well, well and, and I'll just say this really, really quick is so when it, when it comes to JD hall, it, 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 it's one, of, it's one of those things where, yes, I've had my feuds with him. Yes. We've, we've got, you know, like, I I wouldn't say we're on friendly terms or anything like that. But again, coming down to the partnership and division, right? Mm -hmm. When it comes to J.D. Hall, J.D. Hall was one of the best guys when it comes to preaching against social justice and this woke Mm -hmm. theology and and articulating it in a very strong way. Uh, That was one of the things that I appreciated about him. I spoke at a conference with the dude. I sat next to him for an entire day at the conference, at, at the Stand Against Marxism conference. He gave a very good message. Very strong, the the right message at the time. And, and the reality of it is I would partner with with that guy any day when we're dealing with social justice, when we're dealing with cultural Marxism, all that kind of stuff. The dude is smart. He knows his stuff, right? I just find that I don't wouldn't partner with him on a whole lot of other things. What is even that? But but again, it comes back to our conversation today about where are we where are we partnering? Where are we dividing? I would partner with JD Hall all day long if we're confronting leftism cultural marxism socialism all that kind of stuff so
1: yeah i definitely agree and i don't even think i'm allowed to i'm not even able to comment on his page on on facebook anymore i was blocked from that years ago welcome
0: welcome welcome to the welcome to the club
1: (laughs) thank you i appreciate that all right well thank you all for listening to this episode in a few weeks and i have another special announcement god willing um But with that being said, that's going to come to an end of this episode. Thank you, Jeff, for being on. And thank you all for listening. And goodbye.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed. You can also check us out at Stonewall's Perspective on Facebook and Instagram to keep up with the latest news.
1: Stay anchored.